How is a prophecy about revival in Revelation connected to the encounter between Jesus and the woman at the well? Do you know why revival tarries? Doug and I are going to talk about it with Pastor John Hargrove today on The End Time Show. Welcome to The End Time Show. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell. We're taking your calls. The number to join us is 877-END-TIME, 877-363-8463. A lot of people are looking what's going on in Asbury, or what was going on in Asbury, which of course has spread out now into the local area. And they're wondering, why didn't that happen in my home? Why didn't that happen where I go to church? Um, can that even happen to me? And so today we're going to talk about why does revival tarry? And Doug, we know that Revelation talks about a revival. We talk about that here quite frequently. Absolutely. In fact, Revelation uh, chapter 7 is specifically where this is found. Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, absolutely, Vince. So, you know, I mean, that's one of those places where we see in the Bible, we see the 144,000s mentioned there. But we also see this great multitude that uh, John said no one could number. And he asked who those uh, people are there, this great multitude. And uh, he's told that these are those who have come out of the great tribulation and they've washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. So it tells us that there's going to be time there uh, that a revival is going to take place during those times. But we know also that, you know, like you mentioned at the first of the show there, that there's been revival happening, uh, not just in Kentucky, but all over the world. There's been cases where we've seen it. Uh, you know, people have talked about Egypt where people had this huge revival and they were being healed and wheelchairs were being left behind and crutches and things like this. So we've seen revival like this uh, beginning to happen. And it's interesting because the Bible does mention it and it even talks about during the times of tribulation, there's going to be a time where it's going to produce a great multitude of people who are going to be born again um, of the Lord Jesus. So we see that, you know, even in those times of trouble, we're going to watch this happen. we kind of been in trouble a little bit the past couple of years around the, uh, America anyway, we feel like. And so is that what spurred this on? What is it, Vince? That's kind of my question today. What's causing this to happen? Is it just making people so hungry right now for God that they're seeking Him? And, you know, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I want to talk about it today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're happy to have Pastor John Hargrove with us, who was on with us last week for a brief moment, but uh, I told you then that he was a prophet. I still stand by that this week. He hasn't done anything to change my perspective of him in the last week. So uh, we're so glad to have uh, Pastor John Hargrove with us. Again, we'll be taking your calls at some point today, perhaps. So the number to join us is 877-END-TIME, 877-363-8463. We're going to talk more about revival. And, uh, you know, Doug was just talking about why in the world doesn't this revival come? Well, I think it comes a lot of times to us personally. That might happen for us personally in our walk with the Lord. And we're going to talk about what happened to Pastor John Hargrove in a moment. But before we do, I want to make sure that you're aware End Time is coming out with four brand new End Time originals. If you go to endtime.com new, that is going to take you to a page on End Time Plus. And we're coming out with, let's see, March 10th, Doug, I believe your lesson comes out. It's called The Two Witnesses. Mine comes out on the 17th. Uh, Warn the Jews. Dave's comes out on the 24th. It's uh, the Antichrist Socialistic Kingdom. And then we are 
Really, really thrilled to announce that Understand the End Time Lesson 1 will be streamed on End Time Plus on March 31st. So every Friday in March, starting March 10th, we are releasing a brand new video from End Time Ministry. So be sure to go to endtime.com new. If you're not a subscriber yet, uh, become one today and I'll give you exclusive access to that content. It's only available to End Time Plus subscribers to start. So be sure to go do that today, endtime.com new. All right, Pastor John Hargrove, welcome back to the End Time Show. Um, your personal revival, you have an amazing testimony how did all that start with you? My personal story ultimately started as you were just talking about the storms, the, the trials that the early church walked through. It was a storm that came into my life that ultimately caused me to have this radical transformation. And storms have a unique way of getting our attention. Mm -hmm. And so it was a storm that God allowed to come into my life that ultimately brought me into what we call this supernatural encounter with the master. Yeah. So you were raised in church, though. I was raised in church, Vince. You, you uh, I guess, went astray, and you went down a path. Do you want to talk about that at all, or you, you want to stay away from it? No, I love, I love talking about this story, <laughs> Vince. Uh, you know me well enough to know that. That's my heartbeat. Uh, just real quickly, the story... I don't have time to broadcast, don't allow us enough time today to no share this whole story. But just real quickly, um, it was August 24th, 1994, 2 p.m. on a Thursday afternoon. God radically transformed my life. And the encounter happened, of all places, at a truck stop parking lot. I was driving a truck for a living at that time, raising four beautiful children. And um, as I pulled into this little truck stop, God began to prepare something that still to this day baffles my mind. I sat down beside this little convenient truck stop, cooling off the truck I was driving. It didn't have no air conditioning in it. So the Texas beautiful Man. heat here, <laughs> uh, it caused me to have to cool off. And so as I sat down there dr uh, drinking this, this soda, and a, gentle, a gentleman walked up to me and he began to share Jesus to me. And as he began to share Jesus to me, I had no clue the radical miracle that was going to fill my life. And as we began to talk, he asked me a question. And the question was, can I pray for you, sir? And because I grew up in a Christian home, I knew the power of prayer. Mm -hmm. Prayer had impacted my life growing up uh, through, uh, through life. And so I knew, I knew there was power in prayer. That gentleman, Vince, when he asked me if he could pray for me, I stood up in respect to the prayer, but he laid his hand upon me. And when he laid his hand upon me, my hands went up in the air. And when my hands went up in the air, there was this unique sound that began to come out of my mouth. And this unique sound that began to come out of my mouth, I had no clue of the power that was filling my life. But when that sound began to come out of my mouth, I was slain on concrete, guys. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord just grabbed a hold of me, and for two solid hours, I was slain in the spirit wow. on concrete. No fire truck showed up, no ambulance, <laughs> no police. It was a supernatural encounter with God. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Now, you had gotten into some things, like you were on drugs presently at that time, right? Yes, presently at that time. And you had some rough stuff going on. Yes, sir, Vince. I had got involved with a drug that a lot of people know that it's a major drug you run away from, but because... I grew up in such a sheltered environment, 
I really didn't know the dangers of drugs. It sounds foreign to probably a lot of people, but that's how sheltered my life was. So I got introduced to a drug called meth, and I snorted it for like a week, and it was just such, uh, it, it, it's so harsh on, on your nose, my nose began to bleed from snorting so much of it, and I turned to putting a needle in my arm. Okay. Mm. Well, we'll get into more of that story on the other side of the break. We have open lines at 877-END-TIME, 877-363-8463. Let me tell you, there is hope for your family, for your loved one that is lost. They can be renewed today. Uh, you've got to hear the rest of John Hargrove's story and understand more why revival tarries. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time understand how you fit in and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 in time. That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. Welcome back to End Time. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell and Pastor John Hargrove. We're talking about why revival tarries today. We're getting to know Pastor John Hargrove a little bit better, sharing his testimony right before the break. Um, he was raised in church, went astray at some point in his life, got on meth, and he was just to the point where he was saying that he was snorting meth, then he went to shooting meth, and the music turned on, and that always happens right in the uh, moment where it's getting interesting, <laughs> Pastor John Hargrove, so uh, pick that back up wherever you feel like you should. Yeah, so going back to how the storm began to ravage my life, as I began to turn to the needle, that process began to lead me into a major season where I tell everyone I became a prisoner to the enemy. Mm -hmm. And through that over 10 year season of becoming a prisoner to the enemy and to that drug meth, I OD'd 
three specific times. Mm -hmm. God radically spared my life three specific times. I can remember every time that I walked through that, that season, those ODs, I found myself every time going back to really I feel like the source that anyone who finds themselves struggling with anything, if they can find a place to get on their knees and cry out, mm -hmm. God will always step on the scene. So every time that OD, I find myself finding a place to, to cry out to God. And every time I cried out to Him, He delivered me. Mm -hmm. Multiple times He delivered me and I would go back. But the way God ultimately delivered me, even before the truck stop encounter, God took my health away. Mm. And because God loved me that much, He took my health away. God began to lead me to that miracle that I call there in Weatherford, Texas. It was the August 24th, 94 miracle. And, and so it, it was just, it was just the, the hand of God orchestrating all these events. <laughs> Amazing. And so once that occurred, you got back, you started following the Lord again. You got back in church. And today you help pastor a church here in the Dallas area. Uh, and you've been doing that for 23 plus years, right? That is correct, Vince. That time has flown by, I know. Yes. Um, and I don't know when it was. Were you, you were doing end time Bible studies at that church, North Cities, um, before you worked there. Is that correct? Yes. I started doing the Bible studies in August of 1999 and then came on staff in August of 2000. And you were doing like three a week at that point, weren't you? Yes. They were like, man, wow. we better start paying this guy. He's here all the time. <laughs> That's what happened yes. to me at end time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so now you have seen tens of thousands of people's lives transformed um, in so many different ways. So, you know, there are people watching this show and they are going, you know, we hear it all the time, my child is lost my spouse is lost, whatever it may be. Some of them have had experiences with God before and they've gone astray, or some of them have never uh, experienced some of the stuff we've experienced. So what do you say to people that just feel like there's no hope? I'd say to everyone who feels like there is no hope, Vince, I would tell them to understand this one thing. There's always hope. As long as there's breath, there's hope. I believe ultimately the reason that there was ultimate hope for me was it was God's plan for my life. And I had a praying grandmother and I had a praying mama and dad. Mm -hmm. And so it was the power of prayer, ultimately events, that arrested me. And it was a divine moment that caused me, I believe, to pull into the truck stop there in Weatherford, Texas. Uh, looking back on that event, a lot of people may think this is strange, but I believe really that individual that came to me, I believe it was an angelic messenger that came to me just as probably the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, he had Damascus Road experience. I believe I had the same type of experience there in Weatherford, Texas, but ultimately it was the power of prayer and someone interceding over my soul. What happened to your drug addiction? It is so radical, Vince. <laughs> because meth is like, people say once you're on meth, you can't ever get off meth. Right. It's almost impossible. With, I would say without strong determination, ultimately God, I don't think you can ever ultimately get delivered from it. You, I, I work with a lot of people that still have a craving. They're not doing it anymore. But the answer to that question ultimately is God. Yeah. God radically transformed my life with, with, with His miraculous power that only God can do. So it wasn't, it wasn't no withdrawals. I remember it vividly. 
it was on a Thursday afternoon, and uh, when I began to drive down the road after that experience, I began to feel this radical peace in my life. Mm. And as the weeks went on, I discovered there was no craving. I could walk back into places where some of the biggest lines were drawn out, and I walked right past it because God had transformed me. So I was wow. instantly delivered, transformed. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, we were talking about John 4, and, that, and actually that's what kind of led us to call you this morning. This was not very pre-planned, Doug. You <laughs> right. and I, like we often do, start talking about what we're going to talk about. Yeah. And um, we said, man, Pastor John Hargrove was on last week. That was great. We talked about needing to have him on for more than a segment. And we both wanted to talk more about this revival thing because we were getting a lot of... Uh, having a lot of conversations about Asbury and what's happening there. And, right. and why Revival Terry's? Because it does seem, uh, sometimes it can seem odd. And I'm sure all of us have dealt with this question. Why in the world does, hasn't this happened to me yet? Yeah. How, how do you respond to that, Pastor John, when, when people are saying, why isn't that here? Why isn't that in my home or whatever the case? My, my ultimate response always, Vince, is helping people understand that the only reason that revival tarries going back to Revelation chapter 7 and then seeing how it links up with John chapter 4 the ultimate reason that revival tarries is because it's God's plan yeah. God says he's not willing that any should perish but that all would come to repentance and so when you look at probably the most prophetic and powerful chapter concerning revival is Jesus' message in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus said that when the gospel reaches every individual on this planet, that's the only time that he's going to come back. And so the reason revival tarries is part of God's redemptive plan for all mankind. But I believe the reason that revival is sweeping back across America is because there's a group of disciples that have anchored back to the principles as we talked a little bit about last week, right. the Acts chapter 2, 41 through 47, the four pillars of the early church and there are people that are grabbing hold of this and that's why revival is sweeping America again but ultimately Vince it's God's sovereign plan it's God's timing and God has created this generation to experience this before he comes back the second time well I've had moments in my life where it's like I wasn't living for the Lord the way I should be and it felt that way and it was like I was preventing a revival quote-unquote in my personal life because of the choices that I was making, whether it be I was choosing to do wrong things or I was choosing to not do what I knew I was supposed to be doing. And so maybe, you know, some would call it a dry season or something like that. Um, so those things seemed to shift when I started being more intentional about seeking the Lord, whether it be reading His Word or talking to Him or whatever it may be. It seemed that there was something on my part that I was able to do and there a shift occurred in the spirit realm. Is that a thing or am I making it up? By no means are you making that up, Vince. <laughs> that's, that's Bible. The Word says no good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. The only way that we can ever walk uprightly is walking in spirit and in truth. Mm -hmm. Going back to John chapter 4, that's what the lady was seeking. Mm -hmm. She was seeking truth and spirit. Yeah. That's what radically transformed my life. It was spirit and truth. So the only way that we can truly encounter spirit and truth is to encounter God. And that happens when we get into a place where we're in harmony and alignment with the God of creation. Yeah, absolutely. 
How important is repentance to that, do you, would you say, to your own personal revival? How important is repentance to that? I personally believe, Brother Doug, it's the catalyst, it's the vehicle that it's all hinged upon. Yeah. When we look at 2 Chronicles 7.14, the key element in that formula, even for that generation, I know a lot of people say that 2 Chronicles 7.14 is addressing the is Israel nation, right. the, the Jewish people, but I believe it's still addressing America. I still believe it's addressing the generation of today. And so repentance is the only thing that sets us in harmony and alignment with what God is wanting to do with the earth. That's why repentance is not optional. The Bible tells us repentance is commanded of God. Right. And when we truly repent, there are true blessings that begin to flow from the throne room of God. Absolutely. Yes, sir. All right. Well, we're talking about John 4, and so we want to dive off into that. Um, we essentially are going to read it verse by verse, starting in verse 3, John 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 3. We're actually going to be reading from the NLT, so all the KJV-only people. We haven't backslidden. We still love KJV. We still read KJV. Uh, but sometimes we look at other uh, interpretations, and it is helpful to some degree. And so we're doing that today. If you want to follow along in your KJV, we would highly encourage you to do that. You're certainly welcome to. Uh, before we get into this, I want to remind you again, we are taking a tour to Israel. Go to endtime.com tour. The last I heard, there are almost 30 spots available there. Dave and Jana will be going, as well as Doug and Tina. So you're going to be on either Dave or Doug's bus, and you're going to get to your commentary along the way in Israel from one of them too. And then you'll stop and go see sites together, and then you'll have lunch together and dinner together. It's going to be a great time. It's really like getting exclusive access to Dave and Doug almost 24-7 because you're together except for when you go to your hotel room really late at night and you get out really early, you're together the rest of the day. So you're getting exclusive access to Dave and Doug. So go to endtime.com tour to learn more about how you can join up with us. And then also we're coming out with four brand new End Time Originals in the month of March. So starting on March 10th, we will release one every single Friday from March 10th to March 31st. The first one's going to be the two witnesses. The second one, which uh, is two witnesses by Doug. The second one is Warn the Jews, which is one, the one I did. Dave did the Antichrist Socialistic Kingdom. And then also Understanding the End Time Lesson 1 will be released March 31st on End Time Plus. So if you're already an End Time Plus subscriber, you have all access. If you're not, you can go there today, start your free trial, go to endtime.com slash new, and you can see where those videos will be listed when they release, or you can go to watch.endtime.com and start your free trial today. So let's get into John chapter 4, starting in verse 3. Again, NLT, if you're KJV only, we are too. We love it. Uh, we still love you, but we're going to go through this and see what happens. Um, so, Doug, you might have some corrections to make along the way where they might have translated it a little wrong. I don't know. We'll see. Um, John chapter 4, starting with verse 3. Y'all stop me whenever you want because, you know, I can just read and read and read. I thought uh, that was in there. I'm like, man, that is a different version. <laughs> go no, ahead. No, <laughs> it could be. Um, so he left Judea and returned to Galilee, talking about Jesus. He had, gone, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearingly beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. 
He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? You guys haven't stopped me yet, but I'll stop. Okay, go ahead. Keep reading. That sounds a lot like, you know, church folk today, how some church folk can be. Mm. I've been that way, yeah. so I can testify right. that, you know, the Lord's still working on me. But we can sometimes not want to talk to the Samaritan, Yeah. right? Sure, absolutely. The only people I know, are you all with me? No, I, you, I know what you're talking about, absolutely. Well, what's up with that? Well, I think that we have a comfort zone a lot of times, and so, you know, some of us are afraid to get out of that comfort zone. And, uh, you know, I mean, it even comes down to, um, if we're going to talk about the church folks, some people have a pew that's their pew, and they don't want you sitting in it. Oh, so, we weren't going to talk yeah. about that now. That's, that's worse than <laughs> but, reading NLT. Right, I know. But, I mean, you know, that's just how I think we are as human beings. Sometimes, you know, that happens, and so we get kind of stereotyped as, you know, churches sometimes because yeah. of that. So we got to be very careful of that too, Vince, that we don't do that because how are we going to save the world if we're... We won't, we won't talk to them. Yeah, if we're not talking to them. So, yeah. What do you say about that? I, I would agree with you, Doug, that one of the biggest things, what I would call for us disciples, a lot of Christians, we forget the pit mm. that Jesus picked us up out of. Right. And it's so easy for us to forget that miraculous moment and we start walking without having a daily altar in our lives. Vince, you was talking about a while ago, those moments where you feel so in tune with God, where you're really in touch with Him and you have His heartbeat. When we look at people with judgmental viewpoints, judgmental uh, ways that we see people, we're not in harmony with God's heart yeah. and we're not people of prayer, but when we're people of prayer, we're going to see Jesus saw her, right. saw the brokenness yeah. and was willing to meet the and, need. And apparently saw the potential, which we'll get to here in a few verses. <laughs> but, right. you know, I, uh, I, I have talked to plenty of people in my day because I've been raised around church and uh, in church most of my life and um, well, all of my life, but, you know, I made some bad decisions as a teenager like many teenagers do. But um, nonetheless, I have talked to a lot of people that get caught up and get so frustrated with um, elder saints that kind of can do what we're talking about here. They can, and they're not just elder as in an old person. I mean, people that have been around for however many years they think qualifies them to be, have seniority over the next person. <laughs> and so, you know, they get so caught up in that that they get, worked up about that so now they're mad at the person for being so territorial or whatever and I often have to remind them that um, you know just like that maybe new person that's coming that's a drug addict or a prostitute or whatever they are needs grace so do these elder saints that have been around for yes. long enough we need to share grace with them as well so uh, we'll get into more about why revival tarries <laughs> on the other side of the break, and maybe it'll get a little more uncomfortable. We shall see. We have open lines at 877-END-TIME, 877-363-8463. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Part 2. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. 
These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Welcome back to End Time. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell and Pastor John Hargrove. We're talking about why revival tarries. We started by hearing a little bit of uh, the testimony of Pastor John Hargrove, which is incredible. Raised in church, uh, a lot of things happened in his life. He ended up being addicted to meth, um, and God miraculously delivered him from that. That's the extreme um, treetops on that story. There's a lot more detail into that, but that's the gist of it. And we're talking about revival and how we can have revival in our personal lives as well as in maybe the small group that you attend or the church that you go to. And we're looking at John chapter 4 and going verse by verse and just seeing what happened with Jesus and the woman at the well. And so we left off, I think it was verse 8, and we will continue on verse 9. Before we do, I want to remind you to stop what you're doing right now hit the share button on Facebook so that your friends and family can learn more about why Revival tarries in their life. They certainly need to hear this and perhaps the Lord will convict them to make some adjustments or encourage them where they are. But hit share, hit the heart icon, comment, let us know uh, what you're thinking about today's topic. And uh, when you share this video, it always helps us out by breaking through the algorithm a bit and getting into your friends and family's timelines on Facebook. Uh, also share the link or if you're listening on the radio, Call somebody up and tell them to join in. So we really appreciate it when you um, share our show. So we do have open lines at 877-END-TIME, 877-363-8463. Picking back on um, John chapter 4, starting in verse 10. Um, Jesus is at the uh, well at this point, and the Samaritan woman is saying, You are a Jew. Why are you asking for a, for a drink? Because he's, she knows that they don't talk to him, talk to them uh, Typically, So, verse 10 picks it up and Jesus says to her, If you only knew the gift of God, the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Again, Pastor John and Doug are going to interrupt me uh, anytime they want to insert here and we're going to talk about it. Verse 11, But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. 
It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And verse 15 says, Please, sir, the woman said, Give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. What in the world is that all talking about? <laughs> She's going to drink water and never be thirsty again? Right. <laughs> you guys are silent. Ultimately, <laughs> I don't... At that point, Vince, I don't think that she fully understood mm -hmm. the water that Jesus was speaking to her. But when he began to prophesy to her, when he began to unveil to her some things, I know you've not yet read that portion, but Jesus knew how to reach that lady. Absolutely. But it was ultimately when Jesus began to talk about the water, she, she knew physically what water could do, but Jesus knew the water that she ultimately needed was a water that, that, would, that would never stop. Yeah. Yeah, and we know also, Vince, you know, from other scripture uh, where Jesus talks about rivers of living water that will flow from our bellies, that it tells us in scripture um, that Jesus is talking about the Holy Ghost and talking about filling her with the Spirit. And this woman, I mean, she was seeking without realizing she was seeking, I feel like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Jesus knew everything about her. He hasn't revealed that yet because we hadn't got to that part yet. But this woman came in the middle of the day because she was shunned by everybody else because of her circumstance. Uh, like we were talking about before, other people wouldn't even communicate with her. Women went to the well together to draw the water uh, at the cool of the day and they would all sit around and talk about the events of their lives and what was going on. This woman was there in the heat of the day, in the middle of the day, all by herself, which was dangerous to begin with. And, and she's there because out of uh, necessity, she has to do that because everyone else treats her as if she's unclean and they can't be around her. And so it, Jesus, like uh, Pastor Johnny was saying, Jesus knew her and he was reaching her in a way that she needed to be reached without even realizing. And that's, you know, when he says, if, if you knew who it was that was asking you mm. and what God can do for you. And that's the thing. A lot of times we don't realize the power we have with prayer. Like uh, Pastor Johnny was talking about a while ago when, when he had those moments where he OD'd and he prayed and God delivered him through those times. We don't realize sometimes the power that we have when we're calling on the name of the Lord. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think that's where so, she was. Sometimes people reserve that for a car wreck. Right, something tragic in their life. Yeah. yeah, but you know, it's also sometimes as simple as not knowing how to go talk to your spouse about something. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, your, your car breaks down and you don't have the money to fix it. Right. It might not be some extreme thing where you're about to fall off of a cliff, right. but it might be just an everyday problem and you can go, Jesus, I need you to intervene. Right. I've done that so many times and he always intervenes. Now, yeah. it's not always the way I want him to. Like, I think I've got it figured <laughs> right. out and yeah. he kind of shifts it a little bit and it ends up being working out exactly how it's supposed to um, and better than it would have been. Sometimes yeah. I don't realize that until maybe five years later. <laughs> but right. that's how calling on the name of the Lord can work for us. Right. And so it's not always just some major moments. It might be just something as simple as going and getting your water for the day yeah. when you have such an encounter. Absolutely. And Jesus tells her, go get your husband. And she's like, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. 
So tell me, why is it that Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it's here at the Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Well, he's blaspheming right there, right out of the gate. <laughs> exactly. There's somebody ready to persecute him for that. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes to the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus looks at her and says, I am the Messiah. Yeah. Woo, I can't even imagine. You know what? I can. We've got a clip that kind of plays it out. Are we ready to go to that clip or we have commentary before we get there? Yeah, let's go there. All right, let's take a look at what it might have been like. Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me, I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married, but he wasn't a good man. He hurt you, and it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. You promised. I promise. <laughs> oh, that scene always gets me. And I know that, you know, some of that was not biblical. We, you know, they're ab-living there. But man, how incredible and how powerful that scene is. And, and I think that we can identify with it, uh, Pastor. You know, she didn't feel worthy of what Jesus was telling her there. And I think each of us in our own life, 
when we have that moment with God, we have that same feeling mm-hmm. uh, of unworthiness, of, you know, you've called the wrong person for this, Lord. And I think that a lot of times, because God sees the heart and knows exactly what He's doing when He calls us, we don't see what He sees in our life. But He sees what's going to be in the future. Yes. And we only see where we are at that moment. And uh, it's just a powerful thing. And God calls people that normally, you know, I would look at and think, surely God can't use this person. Looking at them through my physical eyes. But God sees things that I can't see. And He chooses those people. Those very people that you think, how could God use them? And then He changes the world. And that's what He did with this woman at the well. It's just, it's incredible. And that's, you know, I mean, she talks about, uh, what's going on there and Jesus tells her that a time is coming and is now here. He says revival started there. Yes. And so there's revival. We just got to tap into it, you know, and, and that's how we tap into it in spirit and in truth. By the way, we are those people that you're talking about. <laughs> right. God can't use right. them. We are those yeah. people. Like Absolutely. the three of us, a lot more people out there. It's like we are the people that people at one point would have looked at and said, there's no way. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we have certainly undeserving of it, but we've submitted ourselves to Christ and just say, use me, Lord, however you can. So if you wonder why in the world these dummies are on the show, it's (laughs) because we're like, Lord, use us however. And one thing has led to another. Uh, We should pause to say that that clip is from um, the Chosen series, which is an incredible series. They take the Bible and walk through... Jesus and his disciples and they fill in kind of the story that the Bible doesn't clarify on and so they use some creative interpretation which is really really awesome if you haven't seen The Chosen we certainly highly recommend that you go watch that I think there's three seasons out now and uh, I can testify that uh, I've cried like a baby watching it I know Doug has as well I don't know if you've even seen it Pastor John Hargrove but uh, I know if you saw it you probably cried right? I have watched events (laughs) and you know Going to what you were talking about there, Doug, the most, one of the many powerful things that is, is being shown unto us right there, Jesus is giving her this, this awe moment, this, this, this God moment, mm-hmm. and is revealing to her who the I am is. Mm-hmm. That's what caused her to go and become one of the world's greatest evangelists yeah. at that moment. She got this revelation of who he was and she got her identity. And it was when she got her identity, she understood, I have a mission and I have a purpose and it's, it's revival. She yeah. went from the woman with five husbands to the disciple of Jesus and went and sowed revival. We'll look more about that because it comes back up in Acts chapter 8. So we can't wait to tell you about that. Again, we have open lines at 877-END-TIME, 877-363-8463. We'll be right back after this break. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Welcome back to End Time. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell and Pastor John Hargrove. We're talking about why revival tarries. We have one segment left. We've gone through a little bit of Pastor John Hargrove's testimony, which is incredible. We have looked at John chapter 4, talking about how Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well in their conversation and how uh, that is happening even to this day. And there, uh, she went back and preached Jesus to a bunch of people and it comes back up later on in Acts chapter 8. So we're going to look at that real quick, uh, starting in verse 5. Then Philip went down. So this is, I mean, we are, Jesus has been crucified, resurrected. Um, the church has been established. We're all the way in Acts 8 now. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. So we're back here to Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Then go down to verse 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard the Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down prayed for them and they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon... Uh, none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And so there was a mighty revival that came out of the woman at the well. It's very obvious. Mm-hmm. And um, that can all happen in us to this day. Right. So you want to talk a little bit about that woman at the well thing again? You said something on the break that <laughs> I think is noteworthy for on air, but it's, it's your story. So... Well, I mean, I just I mentioned during the break that this story always reminded me of my mother because she was married five times and she could have been the woman at the well. And that's why I just every time I see that clip, it really just uh, penetrates me and, and hits me in the heart because uh, I, I see the desperation this woman has in, in just reading the scripture. There's almost when she meets Jesus, it's almost as if she's she's heard all these things before from people but she's never really experienced what god had for her and and when she hears this just like oh here's another person that's going to condemn me and tell me these things but when jesus begins to speak into her it radically changed her life and you know i mean the end of that clip was exactly what the bible says she ran off saying come and meet the man that told me everything about my life everything and she went into that town and began to uh, give her testimony. And, you know, a lot of times, Vince, we have people that say, how can God use me? Uh, you know, I, I'm, you know, not educated in the Bible or I'm not, uh, you know, a scholar in this stuff. Or, or some people have even said, you know, I'm bedridden or I'm wheelchair bound. How is God going to use me? Our testimony is the number one way that God can use us. Everybody's got a testimony. 
And that testimony, you can share Jesus with anybody because of your testimony. And so that's what she did. And because of it, we see Philip go back and, and reap the harvest of this, uh, of this uh, revival that Jesus started with this one woman. He told her, you think it's by chance that I'm here? This is a planned event. I came here just to meet you today. Mm -hmm. And boom, look at what happened. And so that's what he does with each of us. He comes to meet us personally, and we can share that with everybody. So that's why that story is special to me. And, you know, I, I, I just hope and pray that it touches people's life today. And they realize that revival starts right here. It starts with me, you know, and you just get with God. And you find that place, reach that repentive state like we were talking about before. That's what leads us there is when we realize, look, we're a sinner and we need to turn from our sin. And that's how revival starts. So, so start, we're saying start by repenting. Yeah. And then what else after that? Because that can be a pretty quick thing. Yeah, absolutely. How do, how do I move forward after that? Yeah, well, Brother Johnny, help us out. Well, the, you know, the, just to say there's um, people that are been in church their whole life that yeah. want revival in their life. They want to experience something greater. There's people who haven't been in church at all and they don't know what to do next. Um, so we, we're telling people to repent, but is it like, is there a five-step plan <laughs> that, you know, if they do these five things, magically revival appears? Or is it like, you know, one thing I've talked about is why don't you just start by committing the first five minutes of your day to talking to God or to reading God's yeah. Word? Like, that may not be enough to spark the revival you're hungry for, but if you're not doing that at all now, maybe that's a good start. So yeah. stuff like that, what, what is there? I think the, the key element to revival in us and helping us to carry out revival throughout the earth is going back to the, the, little, the little lady. We don't know her name. She was a bankrupt lady. She had really nothing to offer to Jesus. And I believe that's ultimately what attracted her to Jesus. But the revival that went into Samaria was she had this revelation, Vince, of who Jesus was. She began to understand that Jesus was more than a thing. Mm -hmm. Jesus was this I am that she had heard about. Uh, possibly she had heard of Nicodemus in the chapter before that. Mm -hmm. And Jesus told Nicodemus the same thing. He talked about this water, talked about this spirit. Mm -hmm. And here again, Jesus takes the same message to a little lady. And it was the revelation, Vince, that she got of who the I am is. That he's more than just an ordinary man. He's more than a prophet. He is the God of salvation. And when she got this revelation, that's what ushered her into revival for her day and time. So I believe that revival, um, this, this you call it a five-step. <laughs> I'll plant this seed today on the program. Really, it's I call it a three-step. When you go back to the three steps that Jesus gave us, um, spirit and truth is a key part of it. But repentance, it always is the first step of it. Uh, the water, understanding where the water comes from, understanding who to be connected to, mm -hmm. and allowing God's Spirit to radically transform our lives. And so I'll just plant the seed. There's three steps, Vince. How do you, um, for those of, that have gone through these steps already, though, how, how does someone get re-energized about the work of the Lord and just his, you know, being in community with Him? 
I say ultimately remembering where we came from, Vince. We mm -hmm. talked about this just, about a, just a few moments ago. If we can remember where Jesus brought us from, can always remember that Jesus bought us with an incredible price. Mm -hmm. No greater love than this that a man would lay down his life. Jesus purchased us. And so when we truly fall in love with him and, and, are, and are filled with this love that Jesus redeems us with, we can't help but, but to be powerful agents of change in the earth. And so just staying in love with Jesus. And I believe the ultimate way we stay in love with Jesus is being full of his spirit and, and having this God encounter with him every day. So you're around a lot of people that are in all different walks of life that have been used in all different types of ways in the kingdom. Some have never been used in the kingdom. Um, some are still struggling with sinful nature more than others or whatever the case. Um, is that what you're telling them that, you know, they need to fall in love with Jesus? And how do you tell them to do that? The only way that we can fall in love with Jesus, Vince, is to get to know him. And the only way that we can get to know him is spending time with Him as with any beautiful relationship that God has created us to have. It all starts with getting to know the individual. And that's why the little lady at the well, once when she began to know who He was, mm. it was that understanding that transformed her life. If she had never received that understanding of who He was, she could have never left that place and went back to her village and begin to share this radical uh, revelation that Jesus had get, given unto her. So ultimately, it all goes back to knowing Jesus. Mm -hmm. So if we jump to this, this uh, revival that comes in Revelation in our day, and what we believe is before the second coming of Jesus, which we believe we are there now, there's a revival coming. It sounds like what we're saying is that's going to come because there's tens of thousands, millions of people potentially that are hungry to figure out who in the world Jesus actually is. Maybe they were raised in church. They've, they've got their perfect attendance badge for 30 years of Sunday school attendance or whatever it may be, but they don't really know Jesus. It sounds like what we're saying is there's this hunger that's stirring and it feels like we're there because mm -hmm. through the lockdowns, through people spending all this time alone, um, you know, they were at work every day or whatever they were doing and they just, you know, they would probably say things like, you know, if I didn't have to go into work, I could just stay home and veg out on Netflix and do whatever else they want to. That would be the life. Well, they had an opportunity to do that for two years, mm -hmm. and it didn't fulfill them like they thought it would. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like partly that and a lot of other things mixed in, of course, but it feels like that is stirring people up that while we looked at this time as being a downtime in our society, you know, for those of us that didn't go along with the way that we were told to, we looked at it as a downtime, but really it looks like things were getting stirred in people's lives through all the tragedy that occurred. And now people seem to be seeking the Lord differently than they were, mm -hmm. you know, even five years ago. It just yes. seems like there's more of a hunger. Yeah. So it feels like that's brewing and that's where we're at. I saw an article today that said the new religion of the United States is wokeism. But I don't believe that. I believe that that's what they want us to believe. Yes. What I believe is that the new religion in the United States is people are hungry for God and God is waking them. Uh, not woke, but he's awakening them. He's awakening yes. their spirit 
He's quickening people in the spirit and he's drawing people closer to him. And I think that that's what's really happening here with these revivals. And God is calling his people and saying, come out of this world and don't conform any longer because the world's getting worse and worse as we go along. Well, we're about out of time. We didn't Mm -hmm. get to get to the phones today. But um, Pastor John, we um, mentioned last week when you're on, you mentioned, I think, that you felt like this year was a year of revival. Is that what I recall you saying? I vividly did say that, Vince, and I strongly believe that. And I love to share with everyone that's listening to us today. I believe what the theme that God's Word and His Spirit is speaking to us, the revival lies in this right here, Vince. The only way that we will have daily revival in us individually and have revival collectively, it goes back to your poppy's Favorite scripture, Daniel eleven thirty two. The people My poppy, that, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. It's mm-hmm. revival. We're doing exploits. And he says, and the people that understand among the people shall instruct many. So I tell people all the time, I'm telling disciples all around me, it's one thing to know something, guys. But when we understand what we know, we become powerful agents of change in the earth. Mm-hmm. And so that's what, that's what revival that is filling the earth right now. So it's awakening people to, to not only know God, but understand God's movements and to know who the I am that the little lady at the well had the powerful encounter with. Absolutely. Yeah. Doug, you have anything else? Well, you know, Scripture tells us in the last days He's going to pour His Spirit out on all flesh. And so I think people just need to get in the Word of God, like mm-hmm. Pastor Johnny was saying, like we've talked about, and get to know who He is, who, who is Jesus Christ, and be prepared because people that think I can't be used by God, well, we can't be used by God by ourselves. But once He fills us with His Spirit, that's when they started being used by God. Pastor John, we've got a minute left. Could you lead us out in prayer? Pray for the people that are viewing. I just feel like that would be appropriate. Lord Jesus, I thank you first of all for the way that you've ordered our footsteps throughout this day. Master, I call down your blessings upon every listener. I call down revelation that you would help everyone that has tuned into this broadcast today. I pray, Master, that you would open their understanding. I pray that you'd let them know that if you are for them. No thing, no one can be against them. Let the light of the gospel, let it shine brightly in their lives. For you promised, Master, that no good thing will you withhold from them that walk uprightly. Let them know that you're ordering every footstep. Help them to know that we can put our trust in you and let your grace fill them and let your goodness let it shower their lives.